Welcome to the Low Lowdown Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Sullivan and Jacob Cooperman. Your destination for everything sports and current events from two diehard fans with too many takes. Live from their college dorm, it's time to hop into the week's events with a critical eye. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Lolo Down Podcast, episode 14. I am your host, Jerry Sullivan, joined as always by my co-host, Jacob Cooperman. Coop, how are we today? Long I'm time coming. Fantastic. I'm, it's been a long time coming. I'm ready to hop back in. I'm energetic, as you can see. I'm, I'm feeling good, baby. Right, let's chop it up about some sports. Let's chop it, about, chop it up about whatever. I'm here for it, man. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm glad we're back. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while and, and a lot's happened and, and it's kind of been a loaded a loaded sports week. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I mean it's been a loaded news week in general. I mean if yeah. I mean if you've been living under if you haven't been living under a rock, you probably know. Um so uh, to start us off, we got our breaking news of the day. The New York Mets and the Steve Cohen era have officially made their major splash. They have acquired four time all star Indian star shortstop. Francisco Lindor, the 27-year-old superstar from Puerto Rico. They will send back Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez, and along with some other prospects. And they will also get mid-rotation starter Carlos Carrasco. Carrasco will probably be the number two starter behind Jacob deGrom. And then Lindor is obviously going to be slaughtered in a starting, starting shortstop for the Mets. He easily becomes the Mets' best position player and yeah. their best player aside from Jacob deGrom. Coop, Mets fan. How do we feel? Well, it's it's time for me to actually become a Mets fan now. Um, I love the the. I, I think it's funny you called it the Steve Cohen era Mets because that's exactly what it is, right? Outside of a few tweets where he kind of played with us a little bit, I can't say anything bad logistically about the Steve Cohen era Mets. I mean, it's been fantastic. It's like it's like being a kid at Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Every single day there's trade talks. You know what I'm saying? We're going out. We're acquiring these big pieces or, or talking about acquiring. Now we're acquiring Francisco Lindor. But we are always, you know, kind of, I guess now a, a good way to put it would be now we're, we're way more in the, in the conversation than we ever were, right, pre-Steve Cohen. Like we always had a talented team. That could just never re- – I mean, it was never really a match for the rest of the talent in the MLB, but, I mean, this is a definite step in the right direction, a huge step in the right direction. I mean, picking up Francisco Lindor, it's big. It's huge. Very talented player, fun to watch. He might bring asses to seats. I, I, I don't hate it at all, man. I, I love it. And I've been listening, funnily enough, to Craig Carton and um, and um, Evan Roberts. And Evan Roberts and him kind of, I think – mirror my sentiment sentiments and I'm sure the sentiments of all Mets fans when when I say that man it's 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 party time it's party time in Metsville right now I love it yeah I mean Steve Cohen has owned this team for a little over two months now and and I think what Mets fans were expecting as different from the Wilpon era is we're gonna go out and spend we're gonna go out and get these big money big star guys that seems like the Yankees and the Dodgers always get and then the Mets always should have gotten but for whatever reason they operate like they are in a smaller market than the biggest sports market in the country um and you know francisco lindor when you talk about people that were on the trade block or the uh or free agents i mean he was the best player available and the mets went out and got him and and the mets were reportedly in on him last offseason they were reportedly in on mookie betts last offseason but they didn't pull the trigger on either trade well now they finally pulled the trigger um and and you know even if they if they sign a guy like George Springer, they immediately ascend into that Padres Dodgers conversation. 
And even without him, they might still be there. But a guy like George Springer, you add that bat, and it gets really dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I, I love what you said, Ben. It's he's opened up the floodgates, right, in a way that the coupon never could. You know, we're we're finally spending like we're in New York. It's it was so inf- infuriating for the longest time. For the longest time, and I could never figure out why. The only big spending that we were doing would be on wash talent with big contracts or on rotational pitchers. It didn't make any sense to me. So this is a, uh, finally a good step in the right direction, potentially getting our franchise. I think it's in the playoff conversation. We could, we could talk about that. I mean, I don't know if I, I personally, I, I pay a lot of attention. Yeah. I pay a lot of attention to Mets baseball. Uh, I can't say, uh, all that, all that solid for the rest. You know, I, I don't pay that much attention to the rest of the league, but I, I'd assume that with these two talents, if they go ahead and uh, and get Springer, right? Um, I, I can't, I can't imagine. It's almost like Thanos' gauntlet, right? Like you're just kind of collecting all the pieces at this point. Um, and and yeah, it's going to be a fun Met season to watch. I think. Well, let's not also underrate the um, Carlos Carrasco aspect of it, because even if yeah. you know, like the Mets last season, like they're basically adding three starters to this rotation. Like, because Jacob DeGrom obviously is who he is. He's the best pitcher in, in baseball, and he has been over the last few years. Um, Carlos Carrasco was slotted as your number two starter, your number two starter. And don't forget, you're essentially adding Marcus Stroman, who you've had, but he didn't play last season. He opted out. You brought him back. You're getting Noah Syndergaard back at some point or another. He's probably your three or four starter, depending on how you view Stroman. And, and at number five, you've probably got Steven Matz to throw in a lefty in there. I think a lot of people thought that they would go after Bauer. I don't think that's necessary anymore. I think if they were going to go after another big free agent, it would be Springer. But, I mean, yeah, they brought in McCann when a lot of people thought they'd bring in Real Muto, and people were upset about that. People were waiting for the superstar, but they got it. And now you think about they have already added Trevor May to their bullpen. They have Edwin Diaz. I know people don't like him, but he pitched well last season. Just face it. Um, In this trade, they essentially – gave up less in this trade than they did to get Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano, which is, a, I mean, it just yeah. shows the disaster of the last era and the newness of this era. And and like you said, they're firmly, they're, I would I would honestly say that at this point they are, they're not the best team on paper. They're not the number one team in the league, but they are in the no. contending category. They are a top five team in the league with this, with this addition. He's, I mean, he's a superstar and their lineup is, good in their starting rotation is again per usual one of the best yeah and i also want to see i mean you could spend all the money in the world but what i want to also see is because again i will maintain the fact that like you i think you kind of hit on there or you touched on it briefly there jerry is we had a serviceable lineup with a serviceable you know what i'm saying we had a serviceable team uh they weren't the most talented but there were speckles of of light in there there was light shining through and and we just kind of, in my personal opinion, as a Mets fan, underperformed last season. Sure. So you could spend all the money that you want, but I also want to see how it contributes to, you know what I'm saying? Once everything, once the smoke clears and yeah, you make all these, these shiny, because we've seen this plenty of times. I mean, Jerry, we're both sports fans. We understand this, I think, probably better than anyone. Once the smoke clears, it's like, it's okay, play. you could pick up. I'll, t- I'll t- Yeah, it's time to play. You can talk about the Nets. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's still a, an experiment that's being an experiment that's underway. But I'm talking about that. Like, when you pick up these pieces, okay, cool. It's, it's good that you picked them up, but let's see how they perform. That's that's where my main kind of 
worries lie. And I say worries because I'm a little bit pessimistic as a Mets fan, but that's where my main worries lie for the season. It's like, how are we going to perform once we get out? And I think, I think honestly, even by default, without adding these guys, I think the Mets were going to be better than they were last season anyways, just because the lineup last season was good. Like Conforto played well and Dom Smith was awesome. And, you know, Alonzo started to come out in the end of the year. Now all of a sudden you add a window to that and maybe, maybe a Springer, maybe not, who knows, but, and then, even the pitching by default was going to get better because they went in the last season thinking they were going to have Stroman and Syndergaard behind DeGrom. I mean, Syndergaard got hurt, Stroman opted out. It was what it was. But now that both those guys, I mean, I don't know exactly what Syndergaard's timeline is looking like, but Marcus Stroman will be back day one. And, you know, just, I mean, even just getting Stroman back is when he's, I mean, when he's at his best, he can be the best pitcher on your staff. And, you know, even when he's not going, he's still a solid three, four guy. And that's exactly what he's going to be for the Mets. So, Overall, I mean, a big win for the Mets. This is the splash that Met fans were looking for. And the MLB trade market is now definitely on the move with the Padres getting Blake Snell and Yu yeah. Darvish. And then now the Mets um, grabbing Francisco Lindor. I'm assuming, I mean, I'm not assuming. It's basically a confirmed thing that they are going to extend him. He's not going to get a Mookie deal, but he is going to get a big deal. And happy for Mets fans. They deserve this. They suffer yeah, far too long. It's been a lot of, yeah, it's been a lot of suffering up until this point. I also want to talk about this, Jerry. I don't mean to go off on too much of a tangent, but what does this mean for the New York sports kind of scene as a whole, right? Because we have the Yankees. The Yankees are the Yankees. The Giants, we got to get into the Giants later because I know you wanted to have that segment about the the Philadelphia Eagles and all that. Uh, The Giants kind of were, were, I want to say, on that precipice this year of, of, again, making it into uh, into the playoffs. Joe Judge, first year as his head coach. I mean, you have the you know the Jets, which boy, we don't we, we could talk about the Jets too, but uh, but yeah, and then and then the Islanders. I mean, it seems like the New York sports scene as a whole might be on the uptick a little bit. I don't know. I don't want to jump the gun, but I I uh, guess I wanted to get your we, thoughts on that, Jerry. Are we forgetting like the five and three New York Knicks? Like, come on, Coop. Like, oh, true, true, let's true, be, true, true. Let's true, be respectful I mean, here. Let's be let's, let's show some respect. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But uh, I would and say and that not only not only is the scape shaping for everybody, but in terms of the Mets, I don't think that it is an invalid statement to say that the best two athletes in New York play in Queens. I do think that Jake yeah. DeGrom is I mean, Jake DeGrom is obviously the best athlete in New York, but I mean, it probably used to be Aaron Judge. I don't really think anybody, maybe Saquon Barkley, but he hasn't really played much the last couple of years. I think Please I don't think anybody will dispute the fact that Francisco Lindor is a better baseball player than Aaron Judge. Like he is, just plain and simple. But not saying Aaron we, Judge is a bad baseball player, but that's another guy who, who never plays. Right. Are we are we talking just specifically bas- uh, baseball players, or just like no? I'm talking in general. Overall. I mean. Athlete overall in New York, mm. I would say that one is DeGrom. After after DeGrom, I would probably say Lindor and Judge is up next. I don't know if you would disagree with that. Oh, I forgot. You know what? Well, Kevin I'm, Durant and Kyrie Irving now. Yeah, I was going to say Kevin Do they Durant count? and Kyrie Do they Irving. Count? They, they, as athletes? Well, I think I think what comes down to it is Kyrie, he has a nice blend of skill and athleticism. His athleticism comes in with his finishing around the rim and his crazy highlight plays that you see all the time, but his skill comes in when he's dribbling the ball. Same with Katie. I mean, Katie has a skill set to where he's so dominant as a scorer. I don't know if I put oh. them in that athlete conversation. That's what I was first thinking, but then I, the well, more I thought about it, you well, might by athlete, right. By athlete, I mean overall player. When I say do they count, I mean do they count because does anybody care that they're there? 
Like, does anybody care? I think so. The Knicks is still the number There's one. There's plenty of bandwagon Nets fans. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, I know Brandon Silva's here, and, and we joke around all the time about how all five Net fans were rejoicing a couple years ago when these two guys decided <laughs> Ziggy. to. Yeah, Ziggy and Evan Roberts, the only two people that will be showing up to Nets games from here on out. But, yeah, I mean, like, I guess they're in the conversation, too. I just kind of forgot that the Nets are a team that people care about down there because I really don't think many it's people weird. do. <laughs> they're not really – I mean – You know what, Jerry? I was, I was going to say, I, that for the first time in I don't know how many years, I found myself actually tuning into Yes to watch a Nets game. I was so confused. I watched the Nets-Wizards game, and I was like, oh, let me go check out the Nets game. And I clicked, and I was like, oh, it's happening. Like, I, yeah, this I just, is that I didn't channel? Know they showed like a, yes shows these games? I thought yeah. Yes only sh- was a network from April to October when the Yankees are playing. For Yankees, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, like this is the first time I've been here in a while. So I, I see what you mean. And and the net season doesn't really matter because Peyton Pritchard is going to take them out of the playoffs anyways. But uh, any final thoughts on the Met, on the Mets? Or are we uh, we going to move on? Uh, I might have to. I might have to. I have a Mets uh, a mural for the Mets right there, right right to my right here, and I might have to to take it and put it like back there or something. Now you yeah. know what I'm saying? Just uh, just really boost my Mets fandom in the back of this podcast. Oh, I have a mural to Tom Brady right here. You can't really see it because it's a bad angle, but that's what it is. But we are going to move on to the sport that Tom Brady plays, which is football. And um, as you mentioned before, this is what everybody was talking about earlier this week. The uh, the NFC East has been a storyline all season for all of the wrong reasons. All four teams suck. Um, yeah. The Cowboys and the Eagles were kind of – the favorites at the beginning of the year, but Dak Prescott goes down with a broken ankle and Carson Wentz gets benched for Jalen Hurts. And quickly the Giants and the Washington football team emerge as the favorites. Going into the last week, the Giants beat the Cowboys to emerge as the second place team in the NFC East. If the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Washington football team, the Giants would move ahead of Washington and get into the playoffs. If Washington won, Washington's in. Washington was up 17 to 14 in the fourth quarter. Philly gets the ball and benches Jalen Hartz for third-string quarterback Nate Sudfeld. Carson Wentz was inactive for that game. Um, a lot of people are calling it a tank job. I have my thoughts on it, but again, you're the Giant fan. Uh, it it's it stings, man. I didn't think we were gonna make it that far in the playoffs anyway. So it wasn't a complete train crash for me. I wasn't sitting in front of my TV weeping with sadness. But it, it, se- it certainly seemed like an odd move where, I mean, I get it, right? If you're Philadelphia, you're kind of out of the picture in a trash bag division. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't really agree with this, this sentiment, right? That just because, you know, maybe, maybe you have a chance to get back in this game but, and, and maybe sure that you're, you're not in the picture anymore for the division. I still think you should be competitive. Where did, where did this culture come along where it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're in a very winnable game, mind you, and we have this quarterback in Jalen Hurts that's been balling out all game, but, you know, we, there's, there's a third stringer that we really want to get some reps. I, I don't understand that, that logic, right? Like, I'm, I'm less so mad about this under the eyes of a Giants fan and more just under a, a, a football fan, under the eyes of a football fan, because it's like, where, where is the competitiveness? You're supposed to want to win football. I get it. I, listen, I understand it, right? You want to get a better draft uh, position. You want to have a more secure future. But still, I, I just, I don't know, especially a divisional matchup. You should gun to win. That's my personal opinion. 
Uh, do I think there's some grand conspiracy? Like I saw a lot of people talking about the fact that they thought this was like the the ultimate Philly way of screwing over the Giants, which I thought was hilarious. If Philly was just sitting there like, watch this, you know what I'm saying? We're really going to screw up some Giants fans, <laughs> hopes and dreams. I don't think that was the case. I think it was just complacency on the, on the, on the, um, on on the shoulders of, of the Philadelphia head coach. Here's, here's what my stance on it is, is that well, let's just go out from the get-go. Going into this game, it was kind of wildly speculated that no matter what happened, Doug Peterson, the Eagles head coach, was going to be back next year. It didn't really matter how the game shook out. It, you know, win or lose, he was probably going to be back. So that being said, I think a variety of things could have played into it. Did draft position play into it? Maybe. Um, I don't love that a coach is kind of just tanking a game for a draft position because, you know, you might have your job this year, but there's a lot of guys out on the Eagles that are, are trying to earn a paycheck next year. And, and you intentionally yep. throwing them, throwing the game makes the wide receivers who are already bad, look bad. It makes the offensive line look bad. The tight ends, the defense who like you keep turning the ball over in your own end. I mean, the first two possessions that Sudfeld had, he threw a pick and fumbled the snap. The snap was bad, but nonetheless, it makes everybody look bad. Um, so, and, and was it screwing the giants? Maybe, you know, maybe it was sticking up the middle finger to your biggest rival. I don't know. Here's the thing, you know, was it right? I don't know. I, I tend to think that if the game didn't have the weight that it did on it, like if, if that game was kind of like the, 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 I don't know, the Kansas city versus um, like LA chargers game where nothing was really at stake. Casey's resting their players. Like nobody really cares about this game. And the Eagles pulled that. I don't think we're really talking about it, but here's the thing. The Miami dolphins went 10 at six. And they could have gotten into the playoffs had Pittsburgh not rested their starters against Cleveland and basically let Cleveland win the game, you know, but you know, the fact that the matter is the giants, if they really have a problem with this next year, win seven games, you don't even have to go That's 500. True. You don't even have to be good. Win seven games. True. The, the Patriots, not to bring this back to me all the time, but the Patriots went seven to nine this year and their defense was not good. And their quarterback play was not good, and their wide receivers were not good, and their tight ends were not good. And they went seven and nine. It, it was it, they stuck. They were terrible. They were not a good team. And somehow, like they like they would lose these blowouts, but somehow, some way, they pulled a seven and nine out of their hat, which is mediocre. They weren't mediocre. They were bad. They were in the bottom half of the league, but they pulled out a seven and nine. The Giants in December had a three-game losing streak, during which they scored two touchdowns across three games. Two touchdowns. You swept the Washington football team. So you have that tiebreaker, which means against the rest of the league, you went four and 10. That's miserable. I don't care. I don't care. Like you only won six games next time. Don't leave it up to your biggest rival to have to go out and win a game for you. I'm like, I just don't, I just don't feel badly. And again, if the Eagles like the Eagles pulling that was not great and it ruined a game that was supposed to have a lot of meaning. Like the reason that was the Sunday night game is because that was the only game that was guaranteed to have meaning and Philly kind of ripped it away. But at the same time, like, but was it, you know, sportsman like, no, was there integrity? No, but I, I always circle back to the fact that you went six and 10 and you saw had a shot at the playoffs. Like you only had to win seven yep. games. You didn't even have to be good. Well, that's what I'm saying. In a division like the NFC East. I, I, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm a Giants fan, Jerry. I'll cop to it. The Giants need to be better. I understand what you mean. And I, and I, I wholeheartedly agree. If you're the Giants, you, you can't even leave it up to incompetent coaching or incompetent gameplay decisions on the Eagles. You have to be so good that you're ahead of the pack. You know what I'm saying? And especially, especially in a, in a conference or excuse me, in a division 
where I'm pretty sure none of the teams have breached 500. I could be Washington wrong about was that. seven and nine. They were the best team. Yeah. So you have to you have to be better better than the rest. You can't you can't settle for complacency and then get mad when another team who's just as complacent as you are makes a complacent move. That's complacency. That's complacency all over the place. You have to, and I, I yeah, I, I completely, I completely. And agree. not only it's, you, you have to be better. And not you only can't, that, you can't settle for that. And not only that, like I'm not saying fans should root for draft position over playoffs, and I'm not saying that a fan should be happy that they missed out on the playoffs. But in the long run, the Giants kind of benefit from this because they're going to be picking 11th instead of picking. I mean, what would they have picked as the four seed, like 21st or 22nd? Like you move up the draft 11 slots. When in reality, if you got to the playoffs, like, let's be honest, Tampa Bay was probably going to beat the wheels off of them. And if they beat Tampa Bay, they weren't going to win three more games to win a Super Bowl. Like, they were not winning a Super Bowl this year, let's be honest. In the long run, uh, yeah. this is better off for them. They were probably not going to beat Tampa Bay. If by some miracle they did, they would have lost the next game. And the reality of the situation is, like, they kind of benefit from this. Because, again, they move up in the draft. They can go get, you know, a, a, maybe Devontae Smith will be available for them. Maybe they can, you know, bolster their defense. I don't know. There's the draft class this year is pretty damn good. They're going to have a good player wherever they pick. So, yeah, it sucks. He didn't make the playoffs, but you had a good year. I mean, the only bad part of it is that for whatever reason, Dave Gettleman was able to keep his job. But Daniel Jones showed flashes. You almost made the playoffs without your best player in Barkley. And Joe Judge is obviously the right guy for the job because, like, just the culture and the atmosphere and the vibe around the Giants is – even after a six and 10 season, it's so much better than it was a year ago. Like he really went in and changed things. And overall, I would say the giants are in a better spot now than they were last year. And also too, Jerry, I mean, I love what you said. We had, in my personal opinion, the giants had a really good draft this year. We took a step forward from where we've been in past years. Obviously Saquon Barkley was out. Um, even our, our head quarterback was out for, for a good portion of the year. So this is not the giants at full strength. And we still managed to go six and ten on the season, with again Joe Judge in his first, you know, in his first years at the head coaching helm. I don't at all hate this season. I do hate the fact that we left it up to the Philadelphia Eagles. But besides that, I'm I'm not at all I'm not at all disappointed. In fact, I'm like you said, ecstatic and happy and excited for what we're gonna do next year draft wise. I, I want to see if we can capitalize off of the positive momentum that we had this year, and I think. Sure, it might take a while, but we might be able to crawl our way into a competitive position, especially if the NFC East doesn't get any better, which, I mean, realistically, the entire division was pretty subpar, so they'll probably be getting some, some riches in the, uh, in the draft anyways. But listen, if we can, if we can take that step, man, it's, it's, good, for the, it's good for the Giants. It's, and at least without the Jets. At least without the Jets. I, I will say that. You know, It could always be worse. Now, let me preface this by saying he looked very good the other day. He looked good. And he showed flashes throughout the year, but Colt McCoy, no, oh Daniel Jones, right? I'm, I'm like, I'm not sold. He kind of still sucks. Like two years in, again, two years in, this is not the time to write somebody off. But and again, when Sam Darnold is the other quarterback in your city, it's easy to kind of get by. But like, he showed flashes, but in general, like he never threw for two hundred. Like he never threw for two hundred eighty yards. He never had a three touchdown game. He tripped over himself against Philly. Like literally tripped over himself. Like and again, yeah. like he's won. I think what nine games in his career, and four of them have come against Washington. Like I'm, I'm still not sold. I, I'm like I'm sorry, but like when you're the number one, when you're the number six pick, and the team, 
oh, that's the other thing he's benefited from is the whole Dwayne Haskins debacle. People wanted Haskins over him. Now the Giants have kind of made the right move because Haskins is so far not great. He still also has plenty of time to turn it around. But again, like kind of a big year coming up for Daniel Jones because after, I mean, people are already kind of asking questions and he's kind of pushed it off to next year because they were better this year than they were last year. But if they go like seven to nine, eight and eight next year and he plays like he did this year, people are going to start asking questions and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not sold either. I'm already kind of asking questions. I was a Daniel Jones fanboy, And even I have been kind of questioning a little bit. I, I just think you give him one more year, you see what the giants as an organization again can do in the draft. And you kind of, I guess you, you, you use a, a mixture of that, what they did in the draft, their record. I mean, you, you take all that into account, you give them one more solid year to, to make sure that he's right. Cause I've seen, as you said, flashes, I've seen flashes. You know what I'm saying? On yeah. the run, he's athletic. I mean, he's not at all a terrible quarterback. He has downsides to him. He has things he turns that the ball he over too much. He turns the ball over too much. He has things he desperately needs to work on. But correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry. Most of those things that he that 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 you know plague him as a player, you can work on. Yeah, but turning the ball over, ball security. You know what I'm saying? I, I and again, sure, talk is cheap. He needs to actually get in the gym and, and work on this stuff. But, you know, I, I, I just always – I always like to give players the benefit of the doubt. And I think in this situation, you give him one more year. Well, that's the thing. And, and he's obviously going to get one more year, and he might even get two. But, you know, as you said, like a bunch of the stuff he has is correctable. But he's still kind of doing the same stuff that he did yep. last year. And, you know, like, true. for example, like when, when, when Josh Allen came out a couple of years ago, he was viewed as pretty raw – and like he had a lot of things to work on like he you know he had a big arm and he was fast but you know he had accuracy issues he had turnover issues well this year he kind of solved them both like over the last three years like the first year he wasn't very good last year he was average and this year he was an mvp type quarterback and i'm not saying daniel jones has to make that type of jump over the next two years for them to be viewed as a successful pick but at the same time you look at the quarterbacks drafted the last couple of years and the quarterbacks drafted around him like Kyler Murray went number one overall. Okay. Kyler Murray was obviously far beyond what Daniel Jones was supposed to be at on draft night. But yeah. you even look at who was drafted number six last year. Justin Herbert is obviously he's playing real well. far and away beyond what Daniel Jones is supposed to be. I would even say that like, like he's really on part right now with where like Drew Locke is in Denver. And people are very much asking questions about Drew Locke. They're not asking about Daniel Jones because again, Daniel Jones is benefiting from the fact that Dwayne Haskins was beyond terrible. So, you know, good year for the Giants. I think Daniel Jones, I feel better about him than I did a year ago because I thought a year ago he was never going to make it. This year, I'm just not sure. So maybe next year we'll be sure. And again, my opinion means nothing, but I don't know. I just thought thought I'd pitch it out there. Yeah, I, I think also, too, something, you know, that I've, I've been thinking about is it might just be also the culture around New York, it's flipped. You understand what I'm saying? But for a while, when he came into that organization, it was disgusting. Yeah, you know, it was it was soggy. It was flaccid. Nobody wanted to. Yeah, like there were guys missing. I remember players talking about guys missing workouts. Right. So it might have been, hey, you know, Daniel Jones isn't the best quarterback, but we got him at at an insanely insanely early point in the draft where everyone was questioning our draft choice. We really, there's a lot riding on this guy. We need to keep him to either a justify us drafting him so, so, so quick, right? So early in the draft, and b hey, you know, 
Eli Manning has been has been the quarterback, has been the guy for a while, but by the end he was declining. I think it was just more of a desperate move by the Giants, and and that kind of played into the culture of wanting to keep him. But now, like you said, he needs to be put up to the test. I I love what you said about Dwayne Haskins and Sam Darnold kind of making him look a lot better. I don't know. We're gonna see. Next year is gonna be the year for 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 good old Danny Dimes. Uh, speaking of uh, Eli Manning, shout out Brandon. Me and him have a running joke that he is Eli Manning reincarnated, and it makes sense because he's very hot and cold, and he's a goofy looking guy. So he is. Um, he is. So speaking of quarterback play, it is time for me to face the music. Tom Brady is no longer around. He plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who will be playing the Washington Football Team on Saturday night, and. Bill Belichick, Cam Newton, and the New England Patriots will be watching that from home. The Patriots did not make the playoffs, as I previously mentioned. They were not good. Seven and nine. Cam Newton was a low-risk, high-reward deal for the Patriots that ended up not working out, and he's probably gone. So the Patriots now need to examine their options for quarterback. And I have made a list, Mr. Cooperman. I have made a list of, like, 20 something quarterbacks that I that I have come up with as with scenarios of them coming to New England. Are you ready for this list? Real quick before the list, I just want to say I oh. really I felt the sadness through my screen. That was I, I've never heard I've heard you rant, Jerry. Plenty of rants on this podcast. Don't get me wrong. I that was the first time I physically felt depression coming through the screen at me. That was that took a toll on my day. I might actually go like take a nap after this. That was that was incredible. That was I feel bad for you, man. But go ahead. Rifle off the list. All right. Oh, and and I will say I've had a couple of weeks to mull over this since they've been eliminated for the playoffs for basically a month and a half now, but three weeks officially. So I have separated it into three categories. My three okay. categories are realistic. So in other words, like there's a good chance that the Patriots would be able to acquire this quarterback if they wanted to. I could see it, which means that a lot of things would have to go the Patriots' way, but there's there's a possibility there. Like, it wouldn't be, like, out of this world crazy if that guy right. showed up. And then I have my pipe dream, probably not section, which is exactly what it sounds like, and potential projects slash backup. So they could bring this guy in, but he's not necessarily a starter. So, Coop, are you ready? I'm going to rifle ready. through these guys because, again, my- there's a bunch of them. Can I, and, can, I get, can I get my popcorn real quick? Is that okay? I gotta, I'm going to be in for a treat. Let's go. All right. Here we go. Ready? Yep. Realistic. Leading off. I'm going to just rifle through these six names, and I'm going to explain it kind of um, umbrella type. So I've got Mac Jones from Alabama, Kyle Trask from Florida. Those are my two draft picks. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, and Cam Newton. Now, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. They're kind of the fifth, sixth best options in the draft. The Patriots are picking 15th. It's not likely that they're going to be able to get a Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance type. But these guys, I kind of feel good about. I've watched them play in college a decent amount. They they go to big schools. They're on TV all the time. Right. Kyle Trask, you know, he had the best tight end in the country. The one knock on Mac Jones from Alabama is he plays with guys that are really good, like Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith. Like the one knock on him is that he plays with awesome players. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, those would be cheap, like, veteran players. Yeah. Yeah, it would be easy to come in. You know, they're veteran guys. They'd be able to learn the system quick. They'd be, you know, steady hand. Jameis isn't really a steady hand. He's more of a wild card. But, I mean, he could throw for 
good and bad stats. It would be entertaining football. Same with Fitz Magic. You never know what and you're going to get when, when Jameis Winston is under center. And then Cam <laughs> Newton. Um, the last couple of days has become less realistic because it kind of sounds like he's out, but he already knows the system. You know, he's well-liked in New England. Everybody loves him. He tries right. hard. He works hard. Um, I don't think this year was entirely on him because the receivers stunk and he had no off-season off really to prepare. But Adam Schefter thinks that he's going to get a two-year contract worth $40 and $50 million. If that's the case, no thank you. Um, here's my I could see it section. And there's going to be a lot of names in here that are gonna that people are going to raise their eyebrows at. So first up is Trey Lance. Maybe he falls in the draft. Maybe the Pats go and get him in the draft. It's not out of this world. Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts from the Eagles. The Eagles have a decision to make. They can't keep both guys. One of those guys is going to get traded. It's probably going to be Carson Wentz. Maybe both of them are traded if Philly thinks they need another quarterback because they have a high pick in the draft. They're picking sixth. So they could get Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. Either way, one or both of these guys will be traded during the offseason. I would like to see if the Pats are in on one of them. Um, the Cowboys are picking high in the draft, and Dak Prescott's contract is up. He's due for big money. He's going – I mean, he's coming off a big injury. You know, the Cowboys might be a little bit hesitant to give him a contract. Um, maybe the Pats swoop in. Sam Darnold um, – the Jets are picking two, and they might pick a quarterback, and he would be intriguing. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, the 49ers have been rumored to see, like, if they have a better option, they will drop Jimmy G. Everybody knows Belichick loves Jimmy G. If you flash back to 2017, yeah. he wanted to keep Jimmy G over Brady. The ownership yeah. stepped in and chose Brady. Patriots I mean, alumni. Yeah, they went to two Super Bowls, 1-1. So I guess the Patriots won out on that. Um, Matt Ryan, veteran guy, might get cut or traded. Pats might swoop Solid in. Solid yep. Option. Marcus Mariota, low risk, high reward, similar to Cam Newton. He backed up in Vegas this year. He looked good in the one game he was in. I don't know. That would be intriguing. I mean, if they ended up with Mariota, I would be, you know, a little disappointed because that just means we're in for another year like this year. But you never know. I could see it. Um, Gardner Minshew. Um, yeah. Okay. Eh. I mean, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, so he'll be available um Tyrod Taylor this I would only want if the Patriots draft a QB because if the Patriots draft a QB and bring in Tyrod Taylor Tyrod Taylor would start like the first two or three games and that means that the quarterback the Patriots drafted would be a stud because the last two times that's happened the Browns brought him in the start until Baker Mayfield was ready he got hurt um and Baker Mayfield ended up being a stud the Chargers brought him in to start until um Justin Herbert was ready um Justin Herbert ended up being a stud because Tyrod Taylor was like stabbed in the long by his own trainer. Yeah. Wild. But let's not forget too, that Tyrod Taylor is kind of made just in the same way that, um, just, it's just in the same way that, that, uh, Oh, I'm trying to think of the sixth man for the Celtics right now, but I don't know why I'm blank. Smart. Smart. Marcus smarts, a great sixth man. Tyrod Taylor is a great backup quarterback. I mean, let's, he, he led, he led the bills for a while. I mean, he was a great starting quarterback for the bills, but he's also made the playoffs. They, they made the playoffs, but I'm saying he's also the perfect guy to, to run backup. He's a veteran. He could teach the younger guys. I mean, I wouldn't hate that. Again, if, like you said, the Patriots brought in a young quarterback, drafted one, and he could learn under Tyrod Taylor, and, and, and that's that. And hopefully, that. and hopefully the Patriots trainers won't be, like, injecting his lungs with needles. Wow. Um, so, yeah, if Wild. T-Mobile came to New England, I think that would be interesting. And then these last two are going to raise the eyebrows for sure. So the first one is Mitch Trubisky. From the Chicago Bears, I know, I know, I know, but I didn't say anything. the Bears, I mean, he's going to walk. 
he sh- he shows flashes every once in a while. I mean, he's not that good, but you know what I call him? I call him fifty fifty Mitch. Yeah, fifty fifty Mitch. And again, you know, the Bears did move up to draft him instead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. So something must be there. And I mean, he's I mean probably the same as what they had in Cam, but. I don't know. I, I could see them bring him in. I could see Belichick trying to make it work. And then the last one, the Miami Dolphins are picking number three. And Ryan Fitzpatrick had to come in and relief a lot this year. And frankly, they good. played well without him. So I could see the Dolphins moving on from Tua Tagovailoa because the oh. Jets might take a lineman at number two, which makes the Dolphins have a decision to make. Do you like Tua? better than Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. If the answer is no, then two will be gone and they'll draft one of those two guys. Belichick might be in on that. He might be in on that. So that's it for my I could see it section. And now here's my pipe dream, probably not scenarios. First up, and again, this is this is definitely going to raise the eyebrows. Last Flashback to last year when Tom Brady left. Vegas released betting odds for who would be this Patriots starting quarterback for the next two seasons. For 2020, Jarrett Stidham was the favorite, and that didn't happen. But for 2021, Jarrett Stidham was not the favorite. He was the second favorite. He was at plus 500 because at plus, I think it was 250 or 350, the odds-on favorite to be the Patriots starting quarterback in 2021 was... No, it was Deshaun Watson from the Texans. Well, you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense because and there's a lot of organizational tension going on right now. That's what I was going to say. So the Texans had a disastrous season in the last two, 365 days. They were up against the Kansas City Chiefs 24 to nothing in our head stadium in a playoff game. Blew it. Bill O'Brien then goes and trades DeAndre Hopkins for an aging running back and David Johnson. I'm sure Deshaun Watson didn't like that. And then Deshaun Watson signs a big contract. They go 4-12 and this season. Bill O'Brien gets fired. They bring in a new GM who has Patriots ties and it's rumored around league circles, according to pro football talk from ESPN or not ESPN, sorry, NBC that, that Deshaun Watson might request to trade this season. So this off season. So who knows? I don't think the Patriots have the draft capital for this. I don't think the Texans just move on from a stud quarterback. Like, like again, Watson, like if the Texans hadn't gone four and 12, Deshaun Watson probably would have won MVP. Like, he led the league in passing yards. He had 30-something touchdowns. He only threw seven picks. You know, the uh, there was it was basically the Texans' defense fault that they stunk this year. But, like, again, if the Texans hadn't stunk, Deshaun Watson would – you'd probably look up and say Deshaun Watson's the MVP. So, there's – again, probably not going to happen, but there's something there. Matt Stafford, probably not going to happen, but there's something there. I think he'll be on the move this offseason because he's aging and the Lions have a higher draft pick. Who knows? Again, well, I don't think the what? Patriots – I was going to say the Lions take everything from the Patriots, so it's only fair that they give some stuff back. You know what I'm saying? I don't think the Patriots have the resources to go get them, but who knows? Um, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, I don't think they're going to drop in the draft. I don't think the Patriots are going to go up and get them, but ESPN's Todd McShay released a draft on Thursday, a mock draft on Thursday that has Fields going to the Patriots, so who knows? And then here's maybe the biggest definitely not happening, but I'm going to convince myself tonight that it's going to happen. Andrew Luck comes out of retirement and plays for the Patriots. Not going to happen, but it's there. And then my potential project slash backups, Josh Rosen. He was a top 10 pick a few years ago. He hasn't played well at all. And then um, previously mentioned Dwayne Haskins. I mean, could you see yeah. Belichick scooping up Dwayne Haskins and making him an all pro? Because I definitely could. Of course, because Dwayne Haskins didn't play all that badly. He just 
made a bunch of dumb decisions off the field that really cost him his starting. I mean, he didn't play the best. Yeah, he was also really bad. You know, if you're if if you're if you're if let, let, let's just put it this way, if you're playing like let's say Deshaun Watson, right? You do the stuff that Dwayne Haskins did. I mean, you're not getting cut. We could be realistic right. there, but yeah. It's not to say that he's a bad – I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think he has a lot of room to grow for sure, but at the moment he didn't play well. But, uh, you know, he's going have a bright, bright future. I think Dwayne Haskins was cut because of his off-field mistakes, but I think if he was even playing at the level Daniel Jones was playing at, I don't think he would have gotten cut. True. But, I mean, Alex Smith on one leg is, is starting over him. But <laughs> That's true. That's true. Again, I don't – you know, I haven't been following Washington football all that heavily, but I just know that – for him to, I mean, they and they named him the captain. They gave him the captaincy for a while. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, and then they ripped it. They ripped it right away. But um, I could see that. I could see. I could see um, Dwayne Haskins going on down to Patriots land and, and having Bill Bill Belichick coach him up to an all star. Like I could, I could definitely see that. I could see that with anyone. But yeah, that's uh, that's my um, that's my uh, rant. If you're skipping, stop skipping now. All right. I, I get you all probably skipped through that because I was probably boring, but I need to get it off my chest. I need it on the record because when one of those guys signed for the Patriots, I am going to act like I called it. Um, when Deshaun Watson is inevitably wearing number four for the Pats next year, I am going to say I called it. Um, but again, I'm taking credit for any of those guys if and when they sign. And in all likelihood, none of them will be there. And I can't think of who else the Pats would pick up, but that's 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 Bill Belichick for you. So uh, moving on, we have, uh, if you don't listen to it already, um, my friend here hosts an NBA podcast every week, spreading the floor. Uh, we have our NBA update. Coop, you are our um, basketball expert in residence, so I'm gonna take us away. What do you got? I had I had a couple of hot starts on here, like the Knicks and the in the Magic, but and slow starts from like the Raptors and the and the uh, Rockets. But you know, take us away. What do you think? What do you think? What a weird Eastern Conference this year, huh? And and sort of what even uh, even what a weird uh, Western Conference we have going on. Where the Knicks are off to a hot start, Orlando, like you said, is off to a hot start. The seventy, I mean, the seventy sixers are a good team, but they're also off to a hot start. I mean, and the teams that you feel to be that you you expect to be right there, like the Nets, the Raptors, you know what I'm saying? They're they're kind of forming down at the bottom of the con. It's weird. It's weird. And me, I, I was talking about it with my co-host Nigel. I said to Nigel, I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to accurately do my. I, I'm going to call it a job because I, I view it like that. I don't get paid for it, but hopefully one day I will. I don't know how I could accurately do my job this season because from what we've seen now, and I understand that at most times at the beginning of each NBA season, some of the more basement dwelling teams kind of make the push at first, right? And, and you see them have a little surge and then it dies down and the, the league starts to take shape. But from what I've seen now, it, it's, it's convincing win after convincing win, especially specifically for the Knicks. Specifically for the Knicks. Now, I did think that R.J. Barrett was going to take the leap this year. Not a lot of Knicks fans believed me. I said, listen, this kid's special. You know, this this kid's special. And he, from what I've seen, I, I feel like I have to preface every point by saying this, but from, uh, from what I've seen, it is it is a much more competitive league. It is a league with a lot more parity. It is a league that's a lot more fun to watch on a game-to-game basis. The Celtics are right there. We both love them, Jerry. Peyton Pritchard's really fun to watch. He had that tip-in game winner last night. That was really great to see. Um, and, and say what you might about the Celtics kind of getting in there with close games. But, uh, but you know, I, I mean, it, it, nonetheless, 
it might be a little stressful to watch them, but it's it's very it's been fun as a guy that that has always kind of had a special spot in my heart for the Eastern Conference and kind of waves off the Western Conference more times than not because you always got LeBron safeguarding the entirety of the conference on his on his Lakers little throne up there. So it's really fun and it has been really fun to watch uh, all these all these games unfold and and at, at the beginning there were a few blowouts, but for the most part, real fun NBA, really fun NBA to watch. Oh, so you talked about RJ Barrett a bit and like I know Nick fans are a little disappointed to end up with RJ at the third pick because you know they lost out on Zion and they lost out on John despite the fact that they had the worst record in the league the year before. I mean, the lottery is the lottery is what it is. And they haven't been a good team since the 90s. They've only won one playoff series since the 90s. And they haven't won a championship in 50-something years. And as a New York team, it's it's unacceptable, truly. But um, that being said, R.J. Barrett coming out of high school was a higher rate of recruit than Zion Williamson. And he was, you know, he was viewed the year before as the best player in the country. And if he was in the draft this year, he probably would have gone number one. So... It was an it, again. It wasn't what they wanted, and honestly, if you ask me, I would rather Zion and John Morant too. But yeah. it wasn't a bad consolation prize. And I get this is not what they wanted to hear, but I think you're kind of seeing like the growing, the growing essentially, and and what the they're direction. building there. And are they going to make the playoffs this year? No, probably not. Probably not. They're probably not going to make it next year. But they're building something, and for whatever reason, all of a sudden there seems to be a like competence that's like exuding from them yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's it's bizarre but I'm, I'm interested to see and maybe they will make the playoffs but i mean as of right now probably not but it's a nice start to the season they're showing something when tom brady left nine months ago he left a void like it was tom brady's city before like boston was tom brady's city and for 10 months it was kind of hard to see who was going to take the reins for that no but it's be- it's become clear now that um a player a certain young player from the boston celtics has taken the reins and it's not jalen brown it's not just it's Peyton Pritchard City. It's Peyton Pritchard City. It's Peyton steal of the draft. World. We're all just living in it. It's the steal of the draft. No, seriously. Like he's been great, but like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have been probably the best duo in the league to begin the year. I mean, they're both averaging like what 26, 27 a game. They've yeah. been unstoppable. Um yeah, the, the they're off to a great start. Everyday yeah. games. I mean, when they needed to step up they did it's they've been terrific they've been nothing short of terrific to watch very entertaining uh two guys i know that they're both very intelligent gentlemen too so they've had a lot to say off the court we won't get into to other things that have happened just in current events but i'm sure everyone knows what we're talking about when we say this i mean two vocal guys so they're they're the epitome of of a basketball player you want leading your team and i think yeah. at the moment with Kemba out they're the the number one and two guys on on that team and and they're they're fulfilling that role perfectly. I couldn't have any other you know I, I really couldn't tell you anything wrong with with what they've been doing or, or any critiques with with how they've been handling this team. And they still have a twenty seven million dollar trade exception that they could use from Gordon Hayward. So who knows? They might add to this. You know, maybe add some some depth in the wing or the yeah. you know the big man position. But in general, like they they've had a great start to the season. My question to you is the Raptors don't look good um the heat have kind of struggled out of the gate do you buy do you buy into that at all or well I like do you buy in like their struggles at all you think there's a season-long thing i i think i think for the raptors because if you look back historically when the raptors have gone one and five to begin the season it's never gone well i'm never one to point at history but that should be factored into the equation i think the raptors are uh, a terrifically talented team 
I, and then that's something else I talked about with my co-host on the uh, on the podcast last episode, thirty-two, is that NBA fans. And again, I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't pointing him out for that. I'm not pointing you out for that, Jerry. But a lot of NBA fans are quick to pull the trigger on a team because they, let's just say, have a, a rough time out of the gate. I think that the Raptors are a completely, completely all-around talented team. Uh, they made the right moves in terms of extensions. They locked down OG Ananubi. I think he played terrifically. I think he he earned that extension. Um, I, I I don't think. And then for the Heat, I mean, Jimmy Butler's been struggling. You know, he's kind of starting to find his footing a little bit. I was watching the game last night. He was playing better. I think you you need to give these teams, especially in an Eastern Conference that's like super-duper competitive, I think you need to give them time to, to find their footing. Now, let's say 10, 12, 15 games go by, and they're 2 and 13, something horrific like that, or 5 and 10. Then you're like, okay, this is, this is a little bit nerve-wracking, right? Especially if you're a fan of either of those respective teams. At the moment, everyone in the Eastern Conference has got a, a, a stake to lay, to lay claim to. Everyone's got their their guy. I mean, Gordon Hayward's been playing terrifically on the Hornets. Hornets are an athletic young team that's fun to watch. The Bucks, they've been a little bit shaky, but when they've been, they've been on, they've really been on. The Nets are obviously in that conversation. So everyone has got their thing right now in the East. It's it's not it's not like years past where the Eastern Conference is just the top five dogs. At the, at the at the top of the conference, no, this is this is a much more fleshed out conference. So I think you give these two teams a little bit more time. The situation has kind of simmered out over the last few weeks, and he's played well lately. But do you see James Harden moving at all before the end of the season? And if he does, does he go to a team like the Raptors, who you know they've shown in the past, like with this roster, they're like one star away from real contention. I think you talk about the, the the Rockets right now, correct? The Rockets and the Raptors. Like the Raptors right. a couple years ago added Kawhi Leonard that elevated them. Yeah. Do you see them being a Harden away? I know they would have to give up Siakam, but does yeah. the transfer from Siakam to Harden elevate them? Does it make them worse? Do you even see Harden still getting moved? Well, A, I don't see Harden getting moved. I think that this this Harden deal talk has kind of fizzled out. Haven't, and, and whether that be the media not reporting on it or just the fact that the situation has died down because he likes the way that John Wall has been playing, that Boogie's been playing, that the organization as a whole has been playing, because they're a talented team, man. Those Rockets, Christian Wood, all those boys over there, there's some dogs. There's some dogs, and they can play a great game of basketball. I, I do think that, that Harden has kind of seen all of this that's been going on once he finally decided to show up to games and practices, and he's kind of relaxed a little bit. I don't think we see him. Perhaps we get we see him get moved by the end of the year. I'm not leaving the door. I'm leaving the door open for that for that uh, possibility. But at the moment, I think this is for the large part been for for the most part been been kind of stifled. And as for the Raptors, uh, I mean Siakam, listen, he's kind of underperformed as of late. He hasn't been playing the way you'd want him to play. Do I think slotting in Harden for him would be an upgrade? Sure, on paper. But if you talk about logistically, we don't know. I mean, Harden can kind of be considered like as a wild card right now, right? We can call him that. We could call a spade a spade. The man's a wild card. You don't know what he's going to do. You don't know how he's going to mess with the team's chemistry. If I'm the Raptors, maybe you look at at requiring him at the end of this year, see how this year goes. I I don't want to just throw in a player because he can give you 30 a night. That's not how the NBA works anymore. You need the intangibles. So that's my whole take on it. Not to give you a whole spiel there. I know I just diatribe for like 10 minutes straight, but. Sweet. So that's your NBA update. And again, Coop has 
I mean, you know, spreading the floor. If you don't listen to it, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Maybe you should reevaluate. Maybe you should, maybe you should, I don't know, quit listening to another podcast and listen to that one instead. Um, spreading the floor. Uh, listen to, uh, what is it? Through the clubhouse? Well, when we come back, when we come when back. Um, if we ever come back, uh, some quick hitters emptying the bench here before, uh, before we uh, jump into our segments to end off uh, the college football playoff is in danger of being moved for um, Ohio state having COVID issues, Ohio state and Alabama are currently um, undergoing some, uh, they're undergoing different COVID protocols. Um, I don't know. Uh, so any thoughts on that? I think the big story, though, out of Ohio with COVID issues is the Cleveland Browns finally getting into the playoffs for the first time since 18 years, and they are having COVID issues. Head coach Kevin Stefanski has um, has tested positive for it. Uh, they have a few other players. Their longtime guard, Joel Petonio, has tested positive for it. He's been there for eight years. He went through a 1-15 season before going through an 0-16 season, and he finally gets into the playoffs, and he will not play this weekend. I mean, they've had, they've had issues for weeks. Um you got any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, listen, COVID has affected all major league sports. The NBA did really well with it last year. Even this year at the beginning, there have been a couple players that have gone through exposure protocols, the, recently be, uh, the, the most recent one being KD, I should say. As for the college guys, I mean, it's going to happen. Jerry, like, we were part of a, obviously, of a college, duh, of a college, right? We went to, we, we go to college together, and we had, even even we don't even play we don't have a d1 team and we still had a call you know a COVID outbreak now it were it was the athletes um but but the whole thing is i mean COVID's gonna happen right um i actually think that that the college sports or at least college football let's put it that way there have been some i want to say some some boo-boos right uh some inconsistencies in the way that things have been done but for the most part i mean they made it happen I get that they're kind of like, yeah, they're here. I know because I, I don't, I, I'm not a, a big follower of college football, but from what I've seen, it's definitely been rough for sure. It hasn't been, it hasn't been an easy year, but I don't think it's been an easy year for anyone in general, let alone sports. Um, so my whole take on that is, is, you know, sure you're going to get teams that, that certain teams that, you know, past years like Liberty, I, I believe wasn't Liberty really overperforming this year or Coastal yeah, Carolina. Yeah. Teams like that, that, you know, they, they're not going to unfortunately get a fair shake because of some stupid rule set that has been set in place and has been kind of shown because of COVID. You're going to get that, but I'm sure any college football fan, and you could you could speak to this, Jerry, would be happy to have college football the way it is now over no college football. Yeah, and honestly, my issue with the whole thing, with this whole Ohio State situation is, and again, is the game going to get moved? Probably not, but here's the deal, is that if at this point, we need to have all these teams under uniformed, like specific COVID rules because it's kind of been on the conferences to set their own precedent. And the Big Ten, like, is has stricter protocols than the SEC. That's just a fact. That's not fiction. That's a fact. And Ohio State is choosing to abide by the Big Ten's protocols, which is fine. However, I have a hard time believing that if Justin Fields tomorrow tested positive for coronavirus, I doubt that game would be played on Monday, and I doubt Ohio State would still be using the Big Ten's protocols. I guarantee you they'd just move over to what Al- whatever Alabama is doing. And this is an issue for college basketball too, like the NCAA, or somebody needs to step in and say, this is the deal. 
if you play a college sport, this, these are your guidelines. We're, we're done having different conferences playing by different rules because if you guys are going to play against each other, there needs to be a strict set of rules. And for college football, when we were doing only conference play, it was fine for everybody having different rules because you're not playing against each other. But now you are. So now you have to figure something out. You need to make a system that works for everybody because it's not fair to Ohio State that they have to abide by different and more strict rules than Alabama who could do more loose rules. So, um, yeah, so that game is currently scheduled for Monday night. It's Alabama and Ohio State. Al- or Ohio State killed Clemson, which was unexpected. Oh, Alabama expectedly killed Notre Dame. So, I know, and so did you see the meme real quick? I hate to cut you off. You see the meme of the mom that was rooting for Notre Dame, and then Alabama yes, showed did. up. On the t- oh God, no! That's <laughs> so funny. And then I didn't even put this one into the rundown, but I found this just before we jumped on the NHL. Um, realigned their divisions this year and they actually sold the division names to different sponsors. Did you see this? No, I did not. What are they calling them? So the they have the West North. So they have the West division, which is a bunch of Western conference teams. They have the right. North division, which is essentially Canadian teams. They have the central division and the East division, which again, West central East sounds exactly like what it means. And then the North is basically Canada. So in the West, we have the Honda Western division. In the north, we have the Scotia North Division. We have the Discover Central Division and the Mass Mutual Eastern Division. The NHL literally sold their division names. And they have ads on the helmets now, too. The worst ones it could have been. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess they're... I mean, I get Scotiabank Arena and Scotia North, but the worst ones it could have... I mean, that's those names sound ugly. I mean, Honda West, that, there's no flow to that. I mean, Mass oh. Mutual East, I guess, kind of flows, but yeah. Discover Central, I mean, I don't know, whatever. I mean, maybe it'll maybe it'll flow better off the tongue as we say it more. But, well, yeah, I mean, I, I found that right before we jumped on. I thought that would be an interesting talking point. The NHL just basically selling itself for money. Here's, here's, a, here's food for thought, right, Jerry? And it's something that's kind of been prevailed or pervaded through the last two topics. Pervaded through the last topics, not has been. Um, has pervaded through the last, top, last two topics is, the fact that, yeah, money runs sports. You know what I'm saying? Like what you were saying with Ohio State versus Alabama, them having stricter or more lenient COVID protocol rules, all that. I mean, the NCAA is not going to step in because it's money. The, those two are, you know, those two programs make money for them. So unfortunately, money is money is always going to take precedent for a big, and we know how the NCAA, they're, they're money-hungry dogs. Of course, we know how much they love money. I mean, that's true with any big corporation. So they're not going to step in. And and the same way that these NHL guys just sold their conferences away for some, I don't want to say a bad word on air, but pretty terrible names. It's it's, it's all money, man. It's 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 a shame. It's a shame. And then this one also came out today. Uh, Saints coach, uh, the Saints host a playoff game Sunday and Saints coach Sean Payton said he floated the idea out there that they would have 50,000 people come in for testing at the Superdome and then they would quarantine them in a hotel for five days. Um, assuming they all tested negative, they would quarantine in a hotel for five days and then they would be allowed to go to the Saints game on Sunday. And so that way the Saints would have 50,000 fans in stadium right. and a home field advantage. advantage. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously that idea was, um, was uh, denied by, uh, I don't know if it was New Orleans or Louisiana, but I mean, I, <laughs> it's funny. You can't knock Shane, uh, Sean Payton for trying. You know what I'm saying? Respect. You know, you miss, he, it's a sneaky way of getting home field advantage. You, you yeah. got to respect it in a way. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And I think yeah. the, the Saints face the uh, the Bears on Sunday, um, or maybe it's Saturday. Can you imagine, like, 
you haven't played with fans all season, and then all of a sudden you have these like fifty thousand rowdy like Superdome Saint yeah. fans and Noah. Like, I mean, like they haven't been out since like March, and all yeah. of a sudden now there's like fifty. I mean, guaranteed W. I mean, not yeah. that the Saints need much help because the Bears stink and the Saints yeah. are awesome, but I mean that would be like, I mean, yeah. good luck. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, like no way. Mitch Trubisky would be less like 50-50 Mitch. He'd probably be more like 70-30 or like 30-70 Mitch. He, uh, he, it would take a toll on him for sure. All right. So uh, I just wanted to empty those little quick hitters, emptying the bench a little bit. And then now we, uh, we're going to wrap up here with our segments. So I guess uh, lowest of the low. Um, what you got? My lowest of the low was honestly – um, and I, I know it's not sports related and we're not going to get too political, but seeing everything that has transpired yesterday, um, taking poli- you know politics out of it doesn't matter. Uh, just seeing the destruction and now four confirmed deaths was the lowest of the low personally for me. I felt as though, sure, you could talk about lowest of the low for sports and, and that's cool. But um, without getting too political, like that was a real low, low spot for me yesterday. Uh, personally, that was that was really terrible to see, you know. Yeah, I was uh I was gonna pick that one as well, but in the interest of uh content of content, I'll uh, I'll pick something else. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll go with the uh, well, I mean, my Patriots are dead. Uh, well, actually, not even um the Bruins let uh Captain Zidane Char just walk to the Capitals for basically no money. That sucked. I mean, he's been around forever. That sucked. But I mean, obviously, uh, what happened yesterday probably takes the cake. But in the interest of uh. Some difference around here. I, I was going to throw something else out there. But, yeah, I mean, obviously yesterday was probably everybody's low of the week. So, yeah. um, And then wrapping up before we go is uh, Will Stradamus. Uh, my prediction would be that at some point over the next weeks, the Mets do, in fact, sign Bringer and that final stone. Could you say that one more time because you cut off? All right. Uh, and then wrapping up, uh, Lo Shadamas uh, pick of the week, prediction of the week. Mine uh, will be George Springer will be signing with the Mets for the next in the next few weeks. Uh, that'll be the final stone for Steve Cohen and his uh, in his New York Mets. It's a new ever in New York, and the Yankees can tip their caps and call Steve Cohen their daddy. I'm fully prepared to call Stephen Cohen my full father, but my Lo Shadamas pick of the week will be that the Nets come out of this little. I guess you could call it a rut that they're in. I think it's really just comparative because they've kind of been underperforming for the talent level on their team. But I think they come out of this rut and they recon, they re, uh, re, re, reclaim the Eastern Conference for their own. That's my Lostradamus pick of the week. Oh, and then bonus Lostradamus for the week. Um, my playoff predictions, uh, Bucks, um, Ravens, Saints, Bills, uh, Browns, and who am I forgetting? Uh, you got, you got Casey, Casey and and the Packers are on by. So bills I got over the Colts. I have the Browns over the Steelers. I have the Ravens over the Titans. I have the Bucks over the Washington football team. I have the saints over the bears and I have the Seahawks over the Rams. That's who I forgot. Seahawks over the Rams. Rams. And then I have Alabama Monday night, assuming they play. I was I did a UPS with a really big Seahawks fan, and he's I'm sure he's going to be watching that closely. So I kind of my I guess now that the Giants are out of the picture, my team is the Seahawks. So I'm really hoping that they could pull through. I've had a change of heart actually, and I'm not doing this to be a troll. I've had a change of heart. I'm going. To, I'm actually going with the Rams over the Seahawks. Rams are a tough team. Rams are a tough team, and I, I said I'm going with the. I'm, I'm you know, I don't 
think necessarily that it's an easy win for either team, but I'm just I'm I'm rooting for the Seahawks. I don't know who gets it though, because the Rams are competitive this year for sure. And Alabama on Monday night, so that is it. Um long one today. I think we ran well over an hour, so um about an hour five. Yeah, perfect. So that's what you want. Uh Coop, thank you. Uh I'm glad we are back. I'm glad you let me hit a little lead off today. Um we gotta do it more often. You were good at that. This was fun and and you know, we got a couple more of these before we get back back. So we are back. We are back. We're back. We're back right now. We are back. Right. We're back. The callbacks. The callbacks. So um, thank you to everyone listening. Um, follow us on our social medias, which I'm assuming are right here. And um, we'll see you guys next time. See you guys. Peace.